fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. It is a pre-Friday celebration. Greatest day of the entire week. I know we say that every day, but we wholeheartedly mean it. It is the greatest day of the entire week because you see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's time for you to carpe diem all over this place and get ready for a massive Friday broadcast and celebration. Welcome into it. This is The Voice Reason. I am Andy Hoosier broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here at our Wichita flagship radio station all over the country. Multiple radio stations and TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch or listen to the show. So wonderful to have you along for the ride. No matter how you tune into us, we always love you to death. They can't take us away. They can't do anything to us. No matter what the elites try to tell us, we'll continue to fight. We'll have more on that in just a moment. Bottom of the hour, happy to have on a new guest on the program today, Ryan Walker. He is the executive vice president of the Heritage Action Foundation. As we talk about the latest in Washington, D.C., it sounds like the Senate has now extended their stint instead of actually uh, ending their uh, holiday break and starting their holiday break a little bit early on Friday, meaning tomorrow, that they're going to try and stay a little bit longer to try and figure out some of this Ukrainian funding. That's after Mitch McConnell has come out and said that, well, we're really not going to worry about this until after the holiday back in January when we reconvene. And Democrats not okay with that. So now we have two options. Do we just pass it nonchalantly? Oh, okay, well, as long as we're extending it, might as well just get this passed. Get her done so we can just get home. Or are we going to stand our ground and say, cool, we'll pass it, but you're going to have to do something with immigration. And, oh, by the way, that's going to be the H.R. 2 bill that the Democrats have called extreme, radical, and nonsensical as a non-starting point for the conversation. So... There's a lot to unpack there and break down. We'll do that with Ryan coming up at the bottom of this hour. Before we get into that, we are getting closer to the Christmas break. We are just over a week away from the Christmas celebration. For those that celebrate that, we're in the middle of Hanukkah. For those that celebrate that, and Yule time is coming up on the 22nd next week. For those that celebrate that as well, however you look at this festive season, doesn't really matter. And Merry Christmas to you. I say that because I enjoy the Christmas festivities. And you can tell me back, Happy Hanukkah. And guess what? I'll be happy. You'll be happy. We'll appreciate each other and each other's cultures and what we do. And everything will be wonderful. What I don't understand is what's going on in Washington, D.C. right now. We we do our daily check-in with Joe Biden because we always make sure he's okay. Joe Biden, you feeling all right, buddy? I want to be clear. Feeling okay? I'm not going nuts. I, I ask that because I'm not quite sure. And... While we know the deterioration of Joe Biden, the longer he stays in office, an operation Joe Biden tripped down the stairs while trying to sigh his shoes is underway full force right now. Uh, we know that he's slipping a little bit more and more. Have you seen the holiday greeting from the White House that was posted? According to the Daily Mail, and I shared this on the social media page, which you can find all of our social media at Hoosier Reason, H-O-O-S-E-R Reason, on the handle on Facebook and YouTube and the Tweety and the X and everything else, uh, that we, we shared this post. It's an article from the Daily Mail, and it has a video. And it was a video that was produced by the White House from the White House as a happy holiday from them to us, apparently. Now, I, I don't understand it. Normally, a an administration would send out a video of the president 
and the First Lady standing there saying Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah, say whatever. And it's so wonderful to be here. And uh, God bless you during your holiday time, visiting with friends and family and doing your thing. And uh, from our family to yours, from the White House to yours, from the government to yours, Happy Holidays. We love you to death. That's that's normally a typical message that you would get from the White House and from the federal government. This one's a little bit different. If you haven't seen it, you can go to, again, the social media page. I have it on the Facebook page right now at facebook.com slash who's your reason. Very straight. I don't understand it. My brain broke a little bit. There's no talking in it. And the Bidens aren't even in it at all. I'm not quite sure the purpose for the Christmas message, but it's a tap dancing performance by some interesting individuals and they're making very strange faces they don't say anything they literally just follow these tap dancers around the halls of the white house with the christmas decorations around it the weird part about it is who they are in the facial expressions that they're making now there's you know obviously it's got to be woke it was like a production of disney that actually made this thing with how let's see how woke we can actually go they had to find every different culture every different skin color every different gender to try and cram in there so that way it's inclusive for everybody because again that's the identity politics that progressives love to play can't exclude everybody we just need to try and make it as harmonious and wonderful as possible i mean obviously that stands out not anything that we would necessarily not expect from them so uh whatever the weird part was that they had like a guy that was in like a flower onesie with a big flower on the top of his head they had a gal dressed up in a suit i think i don't know you don't get a clear picture a clear uh picture of the face so i don't know you have some gal that was in a blue like dress blue like little ballet tutu thing that was like it, she looked. You remember that meme, the picture of like Hillary Clinton after the elections when she's watching all the balloons fall. And she's like, oh, "Wow!" And like her eyes are uh, uh, gassed and her uh, mouth is wide open. That, <laughs> that's what this girl looks like as the camera's following her walking through these rooms, like aghast at like all of the different trees and everything across the White House. No words whatsoever. It's literally just like seven people just dancing around the White House, tap dancing. Weird thing. There's no message to it. I don't get it. I don't understand it. You can watch it again. Highly recommend you check this one out. This is our greeting. This is the message from the White House to you saying Merry Christmas and that we're here for you. <laughs> this is the holiday greeting that we received from the President of the United States and the First Family is this strange tap dancing saga that's posted all over social media now. So I, I guess that's what we get. Happy holidays to you and Merry Christmas if that's what the celebration's about. But I don't get it. I don't understand the purpose of that. It was very weird. Breaks my brain just a little bit. So we always have to ask, Joe Biden, are you okay? Are you all right, buddy? You hanging in there? I want to be clear. I'm not going nuts. Oh, man. Very strange. All right, let's get into it with what else is going on in Washington, D.C., shall we? What's going on in this world of man? There's a whole lot of killing in this world of man. Somebody's got to help this world of man. For those that don't... For those that don't get that reference either, if you watch South Park, you totally understand that. Yes, yeah, we play obscure different audio clips on here from different TV shows, and people are like, what is that? It's okay. It relates to what we're talking about, right? As you know, Washington, D.C. supposedly is going to be convening on Friday, tomorrow. That's probably not going to happen now that we're talking about an extension for this Ukrainian funding. But let's just go into that assumption for just a moment, because there's a few things that they are working on. Outside of just Ukrainian funding, outside of the... Uh, border issue they're trying to tie to the Ukrainian funding. But we had eight out of 12 appropriations bills. We've had eight of them. Another one has just been signed, number nine, that's that's set to be signed by the President of the United States, and that is the Defense Authorization Act. That is the funding for the military. 
in a decent amount, by the way, as well as according to what is this MSN.com, that it is uh, something that passed with an overwhelming margin last night in a 310 to 118 vote in the sum of $886 billion. That's with a B. Now, I want to remind you for the other side that's losing their mind talking about how much money's going into the military here. I want to remind you that that is not a lot of money compared to the federal government. So those are like, oh, we're just spending money on bombs and not children. That's not true. I have to remind you of that, that that's a very small portion. In fact, out of the 30% of the federal budget that's appropriations, this bill is roughly 40% of that 30%. So it's a very small portion of the entire federal budget. So just to put things into perspective for you, we have to remind you. But it is a bill that passed overwhelmingly $886 billion for the National Defense Authorization Act and a vote of 310 to 118. Now, the reason that there is some conflict and confrontation about this bill is that many conservatives, hardline conservatives, are upset that this bill did not include some of the pushback that they were wanting to on some of the social issues that have been criticized within the military, meaning the military funding the traveling expenses even across state lines for abortion for military families. That is included in the military right now. Republicans tried to remove that before, and it hasn't quite happened. Drag shows on military bases, the wokeness that we're seeing. And remember, the military is in a sham right now. They're in a really desperate state of affairs because recruitment is at an all-time low. The young generation, because being brainwashed of how bad this nation is, this young generation doesn't want to enlist and enroll in the military. They don't want to sign up and fight for their country because they don't see the value in it because they despise this nation. So we have recruitment issues, not to mention the military that ended up removing everybody that didn't get the COVID-19 vaccine just a few years ago. They want to bring them back and expunge that from their record because but because so many people are upset about it that they're not re-enlisting. Because they're like, well, how did you treat us poorly before? Why the heck would I go back to you? Why would I do this? If you treat it, here's a little word to wisdom. If you treat your employees poorly and just write them off and just think that they're an expense and that they're just a write-off, we can just get somebody to replace them. Then when you get into a desperate state, do you really expect them to come back when you start crawling back to ask them to come and save the day? No! They're going to give you the double-barreled middle finger, as some like to say, and say, you know what, I'm going to be on my way and find my own path. That's what we're seeing right now from those that were removed from the from the military during COVID when they refused to get the COVID-19 vaccine and now the military is desperate to bring them back because they can't refill those slots because there's a lack of enlisting right now because the young generation either doesn't want to do it or they can't do it for numerous different reasons because of mental health, they don't qualify because of obesity rates or whatever list under the sun on why we're seeing so low in uh, recruitment right now. That being said, we didn't address any of that within this National Defense Authorization Act. And that's why some hardline Republicans didn't vote for this bill that Joe Biden is giddy about signing. And if he's giddy about signing something, that means it probably wasn't the best thing to do. Now, as you know, we've passed eight appropriation bills prior to this that were, I think, relatively decent. Had some nice cuts in them, had some consolidation of different agencies and programs. It was actually trying to get the budget back under control which Democrats in the Senate said was dead on arrival, and the Joe Biden presidency said that he would veto those bills when they came up to them, so we have to renegotiate them. So there's a few different ways to look at this Defense Authorization Act. Number one, and you know me, I try to look at things uh, speculatively here. I like to step back and just look at things realistically and for you to come to your own conclusion for the most part. Number one, you can look at it and say, well, you know what, it's the military. 
the military needs the funding. We can address those things later in separate bills. We can try to piggyback them onto something else. But at the end of the day, the military needs their funding. We have to take care of our veterans. We have to take care of our servicemen and women. We have to do what's best for the nation. So just do this bipartisan bill, ram it through, even if it's not the best one addressing some of the social issues that we necessarily wanted. It's at least there. Let's get her done. It's one way to look at it. Another way to look at it would be, is the Republican Party starting to cave again? Now they pass eight decent appropriations bills. And after this whole Ukrainian funding wall issue, they've stood their ground so far. And they said they would not pass Ukrainian funding unless there was some type of border wall security or southern border wall security and uh, tied into the bill as well. So they've stood their ground. But it's only a number of time. It's only the amount of time until we recognize that the Republicans have a long term history of caving, of cracking, and of breaking down, especially when they get accused of not supporting the military. So are they starting to cave? And that's why they didn't address those issues to try and ram through this bill. And if that's the case, then what could the rest of the last couple of days or last day look like in Washington, D.C.? Or when we reconvene in January, what could that potentially look like as well with the bills when we have to try to start negotiating and finding that middle ground on the appropriations bills that are relatively decent appropriations bills right now? What will that look like with that conversation moving forward? There's a few different ways to break that one down. Do you agree with this new National Defense Authorization Act? Let's not worry about the social programs. Let's just at least get the military their funding because we're in a desperate state on the brink of World War III. Or, hey, why the hell didn't we address the abortion issue or the drag shows on military bases or the wokeness that's going on in the military? We need to clean that up and then recruitment will go up. We'll continue this when we come back. Stay here. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. So we have a bill that some Republicans didn't quite like, but did pass with an overwhelming majority, the bipartisan movement. I love how they always try to use the term bipartisan, how that's a good thing. It can be a good thing, but do we really remember what bipartisanship compromise negotiation actually means? Because we haven't seen that in a long time. I mean, we're getting better at it now that we have a speaker, Mike Johnson. We're, Andy, we haven't seen a whole lot of change for Mike Johnson. Yeah, we have. Even not if necessarily through the bills or legislation in the month that he's been Speaker of the House, we have seen a different change. And, we, and what that is, is the rhetoric, the talking points, the messaging from the Republican Party and the stance that they take saying, we're actually not going to waver him back down. If it was Kevin McCarthy by this time, then they would say, well, we can't back out of our Halloween break here. We can't, or our, our Halloween, good golly, our Christmas break, our end of the year break. We can't back out of that. We're, re- we're ending our meetings at the end of the day on Friday. We're going home with our families for Christmas time and back to our districts. We're not going to do that. So if you need Ukrainian funding, then you know what? We'll address the border another time. We can't fix it in one single bill anyways. It's going to take more conversation than that. We're just going to go ahead and pass a little bit of a Ukrainian funding bill, appease the Democrats, and let's just reconvene back in January again. That would be the Kevin McCarthy mindset. Mike Johnson's like, yeah, it's not going to happen. Not really. This is what's going to happen here. We're going to go ahead, and if you want to do this, then fine. We're going to uh, put the uh, immigration bill in this, border security. 
and more than likely it's either going to be HR2 or a variation of, or else we're not going to pass this, and you're not going to get what you want either. And to them, again, to Democrats, when they don't get everything that they want, man, they are losing their minds. They are the spoiled children that are actually told no for the first time in their life, and it doesn't compute. <laughs> they get the glossy eyes looked over when we say no, and this is what you have to do. They don't understand that mindset. People that get told no sometimes get very angry. And uh, it's interesting to watch them because it's either their way or the highway. And it's very fascinating to watch that all unfold. So now we have two different ways that we can look at this. We can either say, well, it's it's the military funding. At least we need it. Boom. We'll address the other issues later. Or some are saying, well, the Republican Party's starting to cave. And without addressing these, quote unquote, wokeness or social issues in the military, again, if you look at them caving, there's a few different ways to break that down. Again, we can say, well, that they're actually falling weak and just caving. But I don't know that that's necessarily true. And I actually, for the first time in a long time, have more optimism for the Republican Party than I have in a while. As maybe they could just be caving and just trying to get something done because they want to go home. But I don't. I honestly don't think so. I think there's two other options here. Either, number one, they're looking at it as the, we're doing what's best for the military right now. We'll continue to clean up the military. But right now, we need a president who's the head of the military, by the way, the, the military branch. As a commander-in-chief, we need a better one, and we can start working better by cleaning up the military once that happens. That's number one. So we'll just kind of get what we can done now to take care of our military servicemen and women the best possible at this point in time. Or number two is this is part of the negotiation of we won't address this issue right now. But we've passed eight different appropriation bills that have some major cuts, consolidation, some good stuff to get our country back on track, get our finances back on track, at least just a little bit. Here's the bone for you, Democrats. Here's the military. And Republicans have a better option of signing off on that one because majoritively the Republicans are pro-military. Majoritively conservatives are pro-military. So they have a better opportunity to support this type of bill with little negotiation or fights on this one and let that pass through in good hopes that they can negotiate some of the other bills later and say, Democrats, we just gave you what you wanted in the military by not addressing this issues. Now you need to address some of the spending cuts that we have in the other eight appropriation bills. This could be the throwaway for the Republicans. And if that's the case, I'm open to saying, okay. I'm open to saying, you know what? That's a good piece of negotiation. We're actually starting to realize that we have to haggle a little bit here and there. And if we're going to have a high spending bill that's going to focus on just kind of everything under the sun, why not make it the National Defense Authorization Act for the military? Where Democrats get what they want, we get what we want. Okay, fine. Now you need to vote for the other bills. The other bills that you're squirming on and say are dead on arrival, guess what? Now it's you to re- time for you to reconsider some of these bills. I'm okay with that. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, this is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. Reason, common sense, rationale. That's just what we do here on the program each and every day. Always wonderful to have you with us as always. A lot of things going on in Washington, D.C. I'm telling you, you need to watch the video. If you have not seen the video, we have it shared up on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Hoosier Reason. You can find the the, uh, Voice Reason radio page 
on there. We have the Daily Mail video uh, uploaded on there of the Christmas message from the White House that doesn't have any message. It's just random people tap dancing through the White House with a bunch of Christmas trees around them. That apparently is the Christmas message that the Biden family has put out for the first family. So very strange. Don't quite understand the messaging. I still have to ask the mental state of Joe Biden. Doing all right, buddy? I want to be clear. I'm not going nuts. Making sure. All right, let's shift gears here a little bit, shall we? What's trending today? We're going to continue our conversation. So Washington, D.C. trying to adjourn for at least the next couple days here, if possible. Apparently, the Senate said that they are looking at extending their uh, session into the weekend to try and deal with this Ukrainian funding issue. But I don't know if we're going to get anywhere. Mitch McConnell said that uh, we're just going to uh, deal with it on in January when we come back. And if that's the case, then cool. But now they're really, really, really trying to make something happen here. We'll see if they do to talk about some of that and more. So happy to have on the program. He is the executive vice president for Heritage Action for America. You can find him online at heritageaction.com. It's Ryan Walker here. Ryan, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on here. Appreciate you joining. So tomorrow's supposed to be the day that they adjourn. They say see you to Washington, D.C., do you think that's going to happen now? Because Republicans still making the ultimatum, finally saying, hey, if you're going to do Ukrainian funding, we'd like to see some border issues. We have a major crisis. We need to seal our border. And Democrats not willing to really negotiate on this issue. Where are we at right now? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I, I think they will end up being uh, in session for a few more days than was originally anticipated. You have Democrat senators uh, holding pieces of authorization uh, legislation like the FAA uh, to try and keep everyone in town. Now, alternatively, the House has already left town. Uh, they had they left today after passing the National Defense Authorization Act, and uh, they aren't coming back. So whatever the Senate does over the next few days is falling on deaf ears on the House side. Mm. That's going to be interesting. So if they do pass something, I know Joe Biden wants to try and get it to Ukraine as quick as possible. That doesn't sound like that's going to really happen then. Yeah, that's right. I, even if a deal is reached in the Senate for border security language, and, and we at Heritage Action have a lot of questions around that, we think it wouldn't be adequate and wouldn't require the administration to do what's needed. Uh, but even if they do, the House is not coming back before yeah. the end of the year. They're scheduled to come back in January, and they'll be gone until then. That's super interesting. Now, uh, talk about the process that this has led up to. For the first time, I mean, we're always very critical of the Republicans who always seem to cower, they're scared of their own shadow. They always just cave when the pressure gets put onto them. And it seems like right now, under the leadership of Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, that things are just a little bit different with him essentially saying, hey, we could pass some Ukrainian funding, but you're going to have to attach H.R. 2 to this bill, which, of course, Schumer said was going to be dead on arrival and a non-starter for the conversation. But uh, they've stuck to at least that or some variation of that, haven't they? I mean, how far have Republicans been willing to give up the stringent, quote-unquote, H.R. 2 immigration policy within that bill to be able to move forward and actually agree on this funding? Yeah, great question. I, you know, I think that Mike Johnson is taking the correct position here. He is holding firm uh, because we all know that H.R. 2 is what's needed to actually force this administration to solve the border crisis. They've willingly done uh, everything that has led up to where we are themselves. It's not like Congress passed a law to allow them to open the border. They just did it. And so Mike Johnson is saying, this is the simple price that we're asking. You can pass H.R. 2 along with this aid, or 
we're not going to do anything. And I think that's a reasonable position. I think it's uh, critical that we secure the southern border, especially as we consider sending money abroad. Yeah, well, and it's needed. I mean, we haven't done this in a long time, and Democrats have used this game all the time, right? I mean, they say either pass this massive omnibus bill or else the government shuts down, and it's your fault if you don't come to the table and, quote-unquote, negotiate with us, which is just give us everything that we want to. Republicans, it seems like, are finally starting to learn the power of leverage, and they have a lot of leverage in this conversation, don't they? They do. And, you know, it's a Democrat-led initiative. It was the, sup- the supplemental was something that President Biden requested himself. And he is the one that offered border security as a part of that package. So if you're going to initiate the conversation, you have to be willing to come our direction, uh, the Republican direction, uh, to solve this issue. Otherwise, what are we, what are we negotiating on? Yeah. Uh, and so we're, we're very, very pleased with how especially the House of Representatives is, is standing firm. Yeah, this is good news. Uh, with the conversation in the Senate right now, I know that even without HR2 on it, that Senator James Lankford from Oklahoma tried to propose some amendments onto a Ukrainian bill that were similar to HR2, which then, of course, Schumer lost his mind and Democrats uh, freaked out on it. But from your position and from what you've kind of observed up there, what do you think this potential final presentation from the Senate could look like when it comes to the two issues being blended together? Yeah, I, you know, I have a lot of doubts. I'll say that. You've seen uh, the progressives this week led by Congresswoman Jaya Paul uh, and the Congressional Hispanic Caucus come out in extreme opposition to changing anything as it relates to the border. And so with that competing dynamic and pull politically, I think that inevitably what's in this package will be somewhat weaker than H.R. 2. And we, we are, are pretty adamant that H.R. 2 needs to be the floor of negotiations, not the ceiling. And so we'll we'll continue to monitor it as it goes forward. But uh, in short, we have concerns. Yeah, we have a lot to work on there. Uh, the visit that we saw earlier this week from uh, President Volodymyr Zelensky from Ukraine, did that uh, pull on any of the heartstrings that win anybody over, saying that we just need to pour out the, the, uh, the, the checkbook and actually write him a big old check for him again? <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I You know, I think it actually had the opposite impact. In his joint press conference with President Biden, uh, Zelensky mentioned that the Ukrainian economy is growing by 5% and that their military capacity for producing material to support the war effort is expanding. And they, in fact, they recently met with U.S. defense contractors on how to build out that program uh, even more. And, and our economy, uh, in, in relation to the Ukrainian economy, ours only grew by 2.1%. Uh, Now, obviously, the scale is different, but listen, Ukraine and this narrative that they are in desperate need of economic aid and support for their government, uh, it simply seems untrue. And it gives further argument to Republicans who are saying, wait a minute here, why does it need to be $60 billion? Why do we need to fund the pensions of their government employees? Why do we need to fund their firefighters and emergency service personnel? Their economy is doing fine. They can do this on their own. I was not aware that their GDP grew by 5%. And like you said, I mean, obviously there's a comparable thing between Ukraine and the United States. But if you're seeing, uh, we very rarely see a 5% GDP growth. So them hustling and cranking along right now is a good thing. Why in the world are we sitting there just wanting to open up a paycheck? That makes no sense to me. Yeah, it's befuddling to us as well. We've already spent $113 billion supporting the conflict in Ukraine and the Ukrainian government. And it's it's society. And I think it, it is high time for Congress and, and the American people to have all of that information in front of them and to be able to say, 
is $60 billion the, the highest priority for where taxpayer dollars should go right now? And we at Heritage Action, uh, you know, we have a number of caveats around how Ukraine aid should be considered. There should be oversight and there should be a plan from the administration, which we've yet to receive. Uh, but, but you know, long, and, long story short, there are concerns around the, the size and scope of this aid and for how long it continues. Wow, that blows my mind. Yeah, I mean, it obviously, it almost seems like they're doing something right in Ukraine on the local level is that usually when you get into a war or a conflict that boosts your GDP and your growth because people are working, hustling, and actually contributing to the economy. That's happening, it seems like, over there in some degree. So uh, that's at least encouraging, and we can start slowly waning ourselves off of this as well. We're talking with Ryan Walker. He's the Executive Vice President of Heritage Action for America, which you can find online, heritageaction.com. In a few minutes here, Ryan, let's shift gears a little bit, and let's talk about this bill that was just passed, the Defense Authorization Act uh, for military, which there was some pushback from conservatives because it didn't address some of the social woke issues of uh, paying for the travel across state lines to get an abortion or drag shows on military bases, a lot of the stuff that conservatives wanted to address. Why do you think that wasn't included? And is this part of the compromise, do you think, for Johnson to come out and say, well, all right, Democrats, we didn't tackle these issues. Now you get to take seriously our eight other appropriation bills where we did some major financial cuts. Yeah, listen, I think the National Defense Authorization Act, or NDAA, there were a number of disappointments. Heritage Action key voted no on the bill because of the things that you just mentioned. It fails to address DEI. It fails to address transgender surgeries through the DOD and abortion and a litany of other issues like extending FISA. But I think, and I will give credit to Speaker Johnson, Speaker Johnson has the perspective that he cannot fight every single battle and be victorious in the position that he is in with the majority that he has. Yeah. And so I think the, the approach that he is taking is, listen, I, I have discerned which fights that we can have and where we have leverage. And spending and, and this, uh, this conversation around the supplemental is, is one of them. And so I think Speaker Johnson is saying, okay, we're willing to work with you on some of these issues on NDAA. However, you need to know our firm positions on these other two issues, and we will have fights in January and February and March around all of these issues. And so I think that Johnson is saving his political leverage uh, for those opportunities where he sees victory at hand. And exactly. so I do want to give him credit there. But uh, at the end of the day, the NDAA was more of a disappointment. Yeah, no, I, I'm right there with you. I wish we would have seen more, but you're right. I think that there's political willpower that we can use and use this as leverage. That, hey, we gave you what you wanted. We dropped these issues, but you need to start working with us on some issues here as well. Ryan, we got to take a hard break. Can you stick over one more segment with us? Yes, absolutely. Fantastic. I want to continue this conversation and talk about the next couple of days. What else is on the slate? Is this the main priority for us? And will we see a full 12 appropriations bill process done before the continuing resolution ends in January and February with that two-tiered system and what that could look like with some of those bills on the docket? We'll do that with Ryan Walker right around the corner here for a pre-Friday celebration here on The Voice of Reason. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. for freedom every day the voice of reason with andy Hoosier. yes indeed it is welcome back into it last couple of minutes here on the show for a pre-friday celebration oh how the time flies right on by 
Trying to cram that 10 pounds reason into that five pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation one radio listener at a time. Always wonderful to have you with us. We're hanging out right now with Ryan Walker. He's the executive vice president of Heritage Action. You can find him online, heritageaction.com. Trying to address the issues in Washington, D.C. before we wrap up for the holiday break and then reconvening in 2024. And it's going to be a crazy one, not just with election season, but with all the issues in Congress leading up to election season, which, remember, being election season makes politicians vote just a little bit differently than they would see in normal years. So uh, let's address some of that, Ryan. Let's talk about the continuing resolution, the now nine appropriation bills of the 12 that need to pass a quote-unquote federal budget. Do you think that we're going to see all of them completed by the two-tiered part, the January-February deadline for these, and are they going to look like the ones that the House passed, the Republican House passed, with some major cuts and consolidation in much of these bills? That's a good thing. Yes, I, I think that we will have some movement on that. I don't know that we'll get all 12 through in those first couple of weeks in January. They did split the date of when funding runs out between January and February, so there may be some action uh, between those dates. Uh, but but I think that that the that the House will take a firm position and require that there are discretionary cuts. Uh, now they may not as they may not be as uh, as large as what the House would like and what they have proposed in a number of their uh, bills. But I think that their uh, biggest leverage point is to ensure that any of the cuts that are instituted are not gimmicky and are not uh, uh, sort of playing hide the ball with the budget. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, Mike Johnson has a very clear eye toward that and, and reducing federal outlays, uh, especially through these agencies that are running amok, uh, is his top priority. It is really nice. I, for the first time in a long time, I am optimistic on how this process is going. Uh, now, Democrats, obviously, on the other side say they don't want it in the Senate. And the Biden administration said they're threatening to veto some of these bills, but I don't know politically that that would be a very smart thing for them to do. As I mentioned, going into an election year as big as it is when they need their programs to be functioning properly, don't they? Oh, absolutely. And President Biden is already on the ropes with his uh, the constituency that comprises the Democratic Party, uh, you know, whether it be his support for uh, Israel's response to the terrorist uh, attack on October 7th. Uh, on down the line to Ukraine, to the border, uh, his coalition is fraying. And I think that this, uh, it would require him to deeply consider uh, just swallowing uh, uh, what Republicans are putting forward. So to your point, the programs that Democrats love could be funded. I think that he needs that in an election year. Yeah. And just to be clear, and correct me if I'm wrong on here, that this time, if we don't pass all of these, this, this whole 12 appropriations bill process, uh, the, we wouldn't have this threat of kind of a government shutdown mindset. But the way the continuing resolution was worded was that if we don't pass it, it will still continue to extend, but it will start cutting some of the funding of each operation and each agency to where they're going to start seeing some drastic funding cuts. So at the end of the day, uh, that really does kind of pressure Democrats to get it done in time to keep that level of funding up so they can't use the threat of a government shutdown and how people are going to die in the streets and not get their Social Security checks like they do all the time. This kind of changes the entire narrative here, doesn't it? Right, it does. Automatic cuts uh, do are instituted in April if we're still under a continuing resolution. So uh, Democrats are are under the gun as well, and and they they know that, and they're uh, the the discussion that has been on the Hill 
so far is, is Democrats seem to be willing to sit down, sit down at that table and have that discussion. Wow. Wow. I, right. I'm so excited. This is like the Christmas gift to me here for 2024 because I don't think we've ever seen this type of strength from the Republican Party. Every time it's always, if you don't pass this and pass it right now and do it in the Fast and Furious mindset, the government's going to shut down and it's all your fault. And then Republicans cower and cave. We actually had the power here. That scares them to do something, not wait for us to react and just join them. That's right. It's it is a Christmas gift. Uh, it is the first time in uh, over a decade that the House has, has put forward this kind of effort on uh, the approach conversation and passed all these bills. Uh, it, it seems like we're in a new era for the Republican Party, and it's wow. it's uh, it's almost uh, it, you know it, it it sets you back and <laughs> makes you question things. But yeah. it's fantastic. It's fantastic. I don't quite know how to feel about this yet. Do I really trust the good news or not? It's Ryan Walker, Executive Vice President of Heritage Action. Find him online, heritageaction.com. Ryan, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you, my friend. Appreciate it very much. we got to get you back on the show again soon. Absolutely. Merry Christmas. Hey, appreciate it very much. There it is. One more show tomorrow to wrap up your week. Lots of good news there. We'll see where we're at as we try to wrap up another week in Washington, D.C. Until then, this is The Voice Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.